0: Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner i have discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery of productivitybydesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. So, I'm doing something a little unusual today, and we're going to do a topic that's not really truly around productivity. Although, the gentleman I'm having on today is one of the most productive, focused, amazing people I know, and that's Hans Hansen, longtime friend and longtime national college advisor. He works with parents, students, and athletes from around the country for getting college right. This includes getting on the right colleges. We're going to talk about what hands means by that because it's super important. Meeting the right people and asking the right questions for winning admissions, earning scholarships, and saving thousands on college costs. So warm welcome to hands. Thanks for joining me.
1: Well, great, Catherine. I love being here and you and I always have great energizing conversations. So why not have another one right now? Yeah, one where we actually share it with the world. That'll be great. So that?
0: first thing that's on my mind is we both already work from home. So here we are coming out of a pandemic, we hope. And we've been used to working from home. And then some folks are working from home temporarily. And I think there'll be many more working permanently in this transition time. We talked shop and strategies. And you have this amazing enrichment philosophy in your life i love how you showed me this ladder to show how you structure your priorities and your values and your time and you use this both for yourself to make your own decisions but also for your clients and i'd love for you to do a quick overview of that what i would call almost like a productivity
1: values process well great uh- because I love this. The, you have, I have identified five steps to getting to this platform, this platform in which you have ownership of your own life. And, and so the first step, you can't, you can't bypass steps. The first step is embracing uh, internal structure, something that is not a typical human sense. To impose structure on yourself. Everybody wants to impose structure onto others, not impose it onto themselves. So, But we have to embrace imposing internal structure on ourselves. It begins with the minute we get up out of bed in the morning. It ends when we go to bed at night. It includes our bedroom, our offices, the clutter. You can't have clutter. You can't have clutter in the office. You can't have it in the kitchen. You can't have a cluttered car. You can't have a cluttered bedroom. And ever say that you have internal structure because it goes down the drain quick that way. And then if you have internal structure, then you have to have self-discipline. So you want to enhance your self-discipline. You want to strengthen your self-discipline. And then if you're going to have self-discipline, which really means doing what you need to do even if you don't want to do it, now you have to apply a work ethic to it. So that's the third step. You have to work hard. Catherine, we didn't get to anywhere in life. Nobody gets anywhere in life without some hard work. So now once you have internal structure, self-discipline, a stronger work ethic, now you can become a responsible decision-maker. Right, you gotta be responsible in your decision making. And when we think about sending kids off to college, we need them to be responsible in their decision making. Not so much w- when they're in the classroom, but more when they're in the dorm planning nighttime activities. That's a whole nother discussion. So you have to be responsible in your decision making. And if you can be responsible in your decision making, then the fifth step of the ladder, which is the hardest, is to become accountable. To be accountable for your own performance not to look to the outside world for blame. Now you've internalized everything, the structure, the discipline, the work ethic, the responsibility, and the accountability. And once you get to that fifth step on this ladder, now you have accessed the platform of being in charge of yourself and not reliant on the outside world. Right. And it's been, I think,
0: very interesting as we're looking at remote learning to see my daughter step up as a rising sophomore, as of yesterday, exams finished. Uh, She's a rising sophomore in high school, and she is much more responsible. The growth she's had her freshman year is tremendous. Um, And I see it on every level, not just academics where she's having a much better semester, but at home. Seeing her do things like put the dishes in the sink and, and if I say empty the dishwasher, she does it and it's not me having to nag. I'm not saying she's perfect. Uh, she's a teenager. But Probably. for the most part, you know, compared to what I see in September, the growth level is tremendous. And I think it's because we, two things happened. One was we let her choose which high school she was going to go to. Now, we narrowed it down as a family to four high schools and then she got to choose which one. And I did that thinking ahead, because you and I have talked so many times, to when she makes that college decision. She got some ownership in it, right? Which I think is key. And she chose a school that I was not my first choice, wasn't my husband's first choice, but was her first choice. And we have to tell you, we're 1,000% on board. This school has been fantastic. And this transitions really nicely to the fact that our high school, which, yes, is a Catholic high school, hasn't missed a beat they already had a remote learning system in place for snow days. And so they ramped that up. So we had a day and a half off and boom, they were right back into the full semester, roaring along with all the education. A lot of schools haven't had that. And this pandemic is bringing up the challenges the school system is having in this country. And we're going to specifically talk about college because of course that's your area of expertise. So what can parents expect to see from colleges and universities as we head into this next school year?
1: Because there's a lot of change going on. Okay, so let me just comment on a couple of things. And number one, you talk about your daughter's growth and and actually she's embraced the internal structure and the self-discipline and the work ethic to get the job done. How typical do you think that is? So out of a hundred of her peers, out there in the school system, how many out of a hundred? How many do you think have conducted themselves the last three months like Carol? Out of 100, 20? Yeah, no, nowhere, nowhere close, dear Catherine. Probably five.
0: <laughs> At least I was going to say five, but I was being kind. Uh, <laughs> I
1: know. I'm not I want to be I know.
0: going with twenty.
1: Hey, look, yes. I'm, I, I'm not apologetic <laughs> about.
0: And I'm gonna say this really quickly. She does have an accountability partner from the standpoint that she does have a tutor who was touching base with her once a day morning and then once in the afternoon. But it was up to her to get her assignments in to make sure she was at you know, up in time. So like yesterday I remembered she had an exam at eight fifteen and I remembered it at eight fourteen and I ran downstairs to see if she was up. She was logging into her computer, she
1: hadn't missed a beat. That would not have happened back in September. No, so now let's let's address the second thing you are talking about this particular private school. Now I happen to be a little bit familiar with private school, and I and I'm more familiar with the other schools that are on your list. So what you did not choose was the most beautiful one, the one that puts a stamp on mom and dad's shoulder. Look, my daughter is going here, wherever here is. That's the you know, one I mentioned. chose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you pick the school for these other reasons, value-based reasons. Now, in the end, it's paying off because I work with students from some of those other schools. They're not going to say the same thing as you're saying. So your school invested in education this online component they have they invested in that over the last five years rather than investing in the beautification. So they have actually invested into satisfying the customer uh, needs, the marketplace needs of parents right. rather than investing in Uh, the allure and the appeal that typically students look for. So that's an exact correlation to to colleges. So what can parents expect from colleges for them to hold on to this golden goose business model of theirs and to preserve their luxurious lifestyle? With every last ounce of intention and energy and emotion and push and drive, that's what they're doing. They're in a frenzy right now because it's it's getting out of their uh, it's getting out of their grasp. So that's so right now these colleges are putting up that front. It's like this is oh we're going to be back to normal. We're going to have full campuses. We we'll, oh what about social distancing? Oh, okay, we're going to do this, do this, do this. It's just, it's just talk right now. It's, it's, it's not deep enough. It's not, this is exactly what we're going to do. This is what our plan is. So right now it's just a little bit of chatter. That's what they can expect. And they can expect right up until August 15th for colleges to say, we're doing this until the time comes and they go, we're not going to be able to do it. Wow. Because if, if, things two months from now are just like they are today they might be the same they may be a little improved they may be a little worse this thing's not going away this coronavirus is not going away anytime in the next two months so realistically we could roll the clock forward and say say here we are two two months from now um, in, in early august and say how are you going to put how are you going to put 10,000 5,000 30,000 kids on a college campus how are you going to pack their dorms how are you going to fill up the cafeterias what are you going to do with the, with the classrooms? How are you going to put 30 people in a small classroom or 100 people in a large one? And the reality of it is they don't have answers right now because they're too worried about losing grasp of this business model. They're right. going to have to lose grasp. They will lose grasp. They are going to have a low attendance rate, return rate. They're going to have a low return rate of existing students. Right, Catherine. It can be twenty or thirty percent. A school could lose twenty to thirty percent of their enrolled students, and they could get a thirty percent no-show rate of their incoming freshman class. Wow. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen at Harvard and Brown and Yale and Stanford and those so-called top elite, top twenty or thirty schools. But for the next several hundred schools. It's going to happen. And if you just think quickly about that, you can you realize that all these schools they've all prided themselves on international students, right? right. Oh, we have 15% international students. They would brag about that for the last five years. Well, right now, that's big fear of theirs. how are you gonna get international students to come in from out of the country, into this country, onto a campus? And I saw you got me all revved up now. Catherine, I, 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 saw, I saw an article last week from a community newspaper making reference to the local university, which is an excellent university. And this newspaper is saying to the university, you have to be responsible here because you cannot jeopardize us by being careless, Uh, And bringing students in from out of town, out of state, out of country, that you're not just jeopardizing your own life, you you know, your own uh, livelihood, you, you put our livelihood in jeopardy. So now these colleges are starting to get this opposition from the, from the outside world. Interesting.
0: And when I think, you know, I went to Smith college, uh, all women's college. My daughter is, as you know, not at all interested in a in women's college, which is fine. Good for her. Uh, what I really found most interesting is our dorms, we were on the quad, were right in the town. You, you know, we had to take into account that right next door were neighbors with kids and jobs. And, and we had quiet hours on weekends starting at 1 a.m. because you had to be fair to, to the people in the residences. And, and now take that and put a virus into it. You know, so you, I didn't walk by Mr. Jones, you know, with his toddler on his little bike. Of course I did.
1: Right. So it's perfectly reasonable right now if a school maximizes their on-campus return to 50%. 50% students come in now, 50% stay home and do online, and flip-flop that in January for the second semester. Exactly. Now, if you do that, it also becomes perfectly reasonable to require a 50% reduction in tuition for the people doing online study. Of course, colleges don't want to volunteer that. It's also perfectly, though, responsible of the college to say, okay, with half the people, we can't have you living in apartments off campus, like you just said, Mm -hmm. out there mingling with anybody and everybody and then coming on campus. So for the 50% that are coming on, you have to agree to stay in the dorm. Right. So it's half the students. There's more space. Now, if they're going to require students stay in the dorm, then they're going to have to give a free meal card. So you have to give something. If you're going to make this requirement, you got to mm-hmm. need to be willing to give something. So all of my students are requesting a free meal card if I am to stay in the dorm. Now, of course, if they in the dorm, the school collects a fee uh for that. Yeah. So so the college wants those fees. So mm-hmm. but they can't have everything. The college wants full tuition whether or not the student is home online right. or on the campus. They want full room, full full board, they want full everything if they can get it. But there's way too much opposition out there mm-hmm. uh, to, to, that's going to keep them from getting it.
0: I hear you. So what other things should parents be asking? Let's say they have rising freshmen and they're going to start college. And as you know, my philosophy on this is, is if I had a rising freshman, she wouldn't be going to school this year. I just would not be spending the money. I'm one of those people. I'd say you're taking a year off and we'll find something interesting
1: for you to do locally. Right. So Catherine, with all of my college students that I've worked with that are in college right now, I'm having these conversations and I have, Several of them saying uh, we're we're at least deferring one semester. So we're not going to Tulane in the fall. Our plan is to wait and come in in January. We'll we'll evaluate it at that time. So I think that's perfectly prudent. That happens to be an option that we as parents have to have in our hip pocket. That is a stronger likelihood than people want to think. But if you're planning to come in for the fall, start college, of course, we have to send out emails. And my kids are sending out emails today and they they ask four or five or six questions. What are the plans? Now, we know what they're going to say. And then specifically, what is the tuition reduction policy going to be for online studies? Right. Now, there hasn't been a single college that I'm aware of. That has taken a position on that yet because they don't want to. If they if they take a position on that for the fall, then they have to apply it in arrears to the spring. Yeah. And they don't want to issue those refunds. Right. And then I would I would ask what how is the freshman enrollment going? We want to know uh, 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 how strong is this college going to be? Come the fall, are you are you going to be running 100 percent capacity at 80 percent, 60 percent? What do you expect your your attendance rates to be? And uh, eventually we're going to get down to what is your five year plan for preparing and qualifying students for jobs? Right. And lowering our cost. Right. So my parents are telling colleges, you have to you have to give me a ceiling on costs right now. I will not accept a price increase. I, in fact, I want price decreases. What are you doing to streamline the whole process? So with kids getting ready to start freshman year, you have to look at the classes that, they, that in, in your schedule. Three-quarters of them might be general ed classes that are completely unnecessary. Right. So in that analysis, I'm having kids – ask for high school credits that the college has not provided yet for your AP classes or whatever, and or waive like this archaeology class that one of my students got assigned or, or, or cultural anthropology class that has nothing to do with the degree. We don't want to take those classes. We want specific classes. We want to replace them with modern economics or whatever it is, something that's relevant. Catherine, one thing, students want relevancy. When mm. people say that the, the high school students, they don't like school. It's not that they don't like learning. They don't like learning irrelevant material.
0: Like my daughter thinks algebra is irrelevant. <laughs> and I, you do kind of sort of use some algebra in life. I'm hoping that there's going to be a nice business math course
1: you could take like junior year. Yeah, well, business math and finance is one thing. Understanding physics and laws of motion and speed and velocity and why things fall and do other things, thats we use that. But the only relevancy for 95% of the students, the other 5%, if you're going to be an engineer, there's relevancy and of things course. like that, architects and engineers and things like that, no doubt. But for the other 90%, the only thing relevant about, let's say, uh, algebra two or pre calc, really algebra two is the SAT exam. That's the only point of relevance. You have to be good in math. I I mentioned this to your daughter one day. You know, you do have to be good at this. Why? Because you're tested on it. Right. And then with you get the like we did. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so it's valuable. It's valuable for scholarships. It doesn't mean it's valuable for the rest of your life or that you'll ever use it. And she may be a musician. She may be an actress. She may be a small business woman. So personal finance and all that stuff comes in, into play with everybody. Psychology, that comes into play with everybody. But well, algebra two. I wish I had taken a psych class when I was in college. <clears throat> Sorry I didn't do that. Well, you're taking a psychology class every day in your life right now. It's just your own class of internal evaluation and awareness. I think I mean, you get a psychology
0: class when you're a cancer survivor. You know, you had to go through all that. So,
1: yeah. yeah I and, that. And, and, uh, we put it to test every day whether we like to think it or not, uh, but we do. So that's, that's relevant. Students, high school students, if the courses are interesting, they'll – jump right in and take it. It's, it's like in music, uh, you know, the traditional band with the flutes and, and clarinets and things like that, I, I played the trumpet. We all did that until we could quit doing it because it wasn't that interesting. But with young people today playing the guitar or the bass or the keyboards, they're energized by it, and it's relevant for the rest of their life. It can be relevant for the rest of their life. So oh,
0: yeah, my husband's 52, still playing his guitar and bass. Now it's something he just plays for himself for fun, you know, downstairs and he, he plays some. And it's interesting when we talk about home office, he was in a corporate office for 25 years. So this was a huge, maybe 23, but whatever. Huge, huge change for him. And I remember talking to him and saying, what if you were to take a break at lunchtime every day and play guitar? And that would really break your day. You'd have a true like if you were sitting eating lunch. You know, you, you would go out somewhere to eat lunch. That's not an option now, right? So play your guitar for a while, right? And I know you play too. And then it's a great 15-minute break. Right. And it just gets your mind in a different place. Like I power walk. And the point of the power lock for me more than anything else, and I've learned now I have to take a phone because what happens is I get these brilliant ideas and it's because we're shutting off the brain, which is going 200 miles per hour every day, at least mine is, and I'm pretty sure yours is too. And then when you're walking, you're outside of your brain and you're into your body and then little wonderful things bubble up because we're not focusing on the task at hand, we're walking. So I've learned now I have to take my phone because nine times out of 10, I'll come up with brilliant podcast questions while walking.
1: And also because all great performances are performed in the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind does not hear negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. So our ability to put ourselves into the subconscious mind is our secret to being creative, brilliant at times, uh, interesting, things like that. And it's always our conscious thought. And it only takes a second to ruin our conscious thought. And just talking about music for a second, when I did the show in February, my first ever that you know about, I missed a note, a boom, boom, boom. I missed this note up here. Why? Because when I went boom, boom, my toe got tripped up on a little wire so for a split second i looked down at my foot and i missed the note it only brain was going don't trip (laughs) right that that would have been worse so but the point is it's the split second split second distractions can get us out of our we can be playing and we can be operating in the subconscious mind and you can be doing your writing and thinking and it's really subconscious thought that you have working really great but it only takes a second's worth of distraction to get you out of it so you know the the more we can operate in the subconscious the better now we have to operate in the conscious in practice we have we practice everything in the conscious but we try to perform in the subconscious anyway Absolutely.
0: So what other great pieces of advice do you have for people, let's say, who have kids in college now already, like my niece is a rising sophomore in Elon? What would you be telling these kids? So for example, really if if asked for her, she had applied for this great Jan term trip, uh, which was for credit, and they were going to Italy. And I was shocked that they were saying they were going forward with it, and they just canceled it, which is crushing, and I feel so bad for her. But I I was kind of surprised they were still even going to go forward with it at all. And by the way, Elon has an amazing international program. They've really got to be struggling with how they deal with that this year. So maybe that's the first thing to talk about. What about our
1: kids who are trying to go international? Well, imagine we all know what the term means to have the rug pulled out from under uh, under us i love international study i think every college student should spend one year abroad not one month not too much but one year so that you can settle into somebody else's culture and that's actually absorb it you're not a visitor at that point you're you're a little bit more of a resident and so I think that's a valuable experience for everyone because they may never get that opportunity again the right. rest of their life. So let's just say you're sitting there in Spain on in, uh, March 8th or 9th, and you start to hear this thing about coronavirus. Oh, what, the, what is that? And then you hear about Italy and Spain, and all of a sudden, two days later, they say, here's your airline ticket. You have 24 hours to get out of here. And you go, oh. Gosh, pull the rug right out from underneath us. Now, whether you're in Spain or Italy or the UK or Australia, wherever you are, uh, that got pulled out, just like playing sports got pulled out. And going forward, I don't see how they can play sports. I don't see how they're going to have study abroad programs, at least not until the following school year. Now, for kids in school, to answer your question, so one of my families has a rising Sophomore and a rising senior, both in college. Wow! So we, I I scripted two letters, one for each of them, two different schools, different things apply. But one of the things is, I if, if I have a student, if a child that's going to be a sophomore or junior or senior in college, I'm telling the college, if you want me back in this in the fall, I require a twenty thousand dollar one time cost reduction. Mm-hmm. It makes up for the spring. Yeah. And it makes up for the uncertainties and inconveniences of the semester ahead. 20,000, one time or no deal. Mm. Because the biggest thing they're scared about are the no shows or the deferrals. Sure. So I think it's fair compensation. And uh, uh, parents have to be willing to do that. And, and, and that's part of the new mindset. You have to have that mindset of knowing what you want what you think is fair and asking for it suggesting it strongly or demanding it for the first time in so many years we the parents have what the colleges want right they need to they need to come to us to get it and not Have us, the parents, be so willing to push our kids onto colleges, be so willing to take on the debt, be so willing to ruin your retirement. Parents have just been pushing all that onto the colleges. Whatever's happened with the colleges for the last 20 years with price increases, parents have allowed it. Uh, The colleges have done nothing but follow the path that their customer base has provided and propped mm. up and supported. So I don't blame the colleges for anything. Interesting. But I do recognize that they're getting knocked off that great perch of theirs. And now they're going to have to pay attention to the market prospects. The market prospects are no longer the kids. Mm. For 20 years, Catherine, they've invested millions of dollars into appealing to the kids a simple example you mentioned elon there's also a nice school down there called high point so high point so high point is a beautiful school but it's not near the academic level of elon which not everybody's heard of and elon's not maybe quite wake forest but it's maybe 20 miles away from it but so it's kind of like in their shadow but but Elon is, a, is an awesome college. So what has High Point done for the last 15 years? They really have not invested at all in the education to try to bring themselves up to Elon. What do they do? They pour all their money into the beautification of the college campus. And so when people leave there, they say, wow, isn't that beautiful? Nobody leaves there and says, wow, that's a great education. That's going to, going to be the type of study program and school that's going to deliver the type of job and income that I, that we want for our child. Right.
0: Fascinating. So I am going to go way back because you triggered a reminder of a question I had for you. You had said one of your rising sophomores is going to defer to the spring semester possibly. And so what does a parent, set up for their kid, or maybe they don't, maybe the kids set something up. What do these kids do in that time period where they're off? Do they community college?
1: Do they do community service? No, they do? No, they, well, they. cannot take, well, they can take some credits, but they have to be careful because those credits would have to transfer in. Right. So typically what they're doing is deferring, say I'm going to come back in in January and colleges I students, this is not, time off for the students. They've got to do something that is career oriented. And it can be a a job, an internship, uh, research assignments, uh, creating a blog, doing all kinds of things to help them uh, better prepare themselves. I call this the landing. Uh, When when we come out of this pandemic, it's going to be the landing. And we're going to land in in a a territory that's unfamiliar to most everybody. But who's going to be ready for that? We have to be ready for that. We have to anticipate it. We as adults, as professionals, whatever we are, we have to do that. But I have to do that with these kids. They have to be ready. When this thing lands, and let's just say you defer to January, you can't just show up in January like you are today. You have to advance. You have to have an advanced mind, an advanced game plan, an advanced vision for what you see the 2020s becoming. Nice. So you can't just sit back. When I asked you in, in the beginning about your daughter and, and, and the internal structure, and when, when I said she's one out of, you know, ten, we're the nine out of ten, what I see, here's the danger. All these students think it's time off. Well, one reason they think it's time off is because their teachers or professors think it's time off. I've heard from 8th graders, 11th graders, college students, and even law school students who I work with who says this this last semester was a waste of time and a waste of money. Law school. She's in law school. And I'm not going back to that same nonsense. I remember what grad school cost and it was not cheap. If I were a parent, I would be livid. What well, parents are saying, is this what I'm paying for when they see their kids get up at 11 or 12 o'clock? Oh, oh, mom or dad, I have yeah, I have an hour I have to do today. An hour what? Why don't why aren't you? Why aren't you getting up and having a full class of schedule, uh, a full schedule of classes, assignments, projects, all the things that you're talking about? So I see that uh, this is causing people to get lazy at a time that it has to be just the opposite. You, right. me, we've never worked harder uh, than now. I'm
0: crazy busy during this time.
1: Right. So no, this is no time to be taking a break because when you take a break during a time like this, then you're allowing your ambitions to be quarantined. Yeah, I don't let ambitions, life ambitions of adults or kids to be quarantined. Right. So we all have to be much more proactive, much more involved, and, and much more just not just waiting for 2020 to get over with. No, not at all. This is life. This is what we have. We're living. We have to make the most of it. But when 2021 comes around, those that are, have shifted their mindset and pivoted their approach, I call that shivit. I no, I love that. If, and pivot, shift the mindset, pivot the approach, will be much better suited to seize on their opportunities when the time comes.
0: Because the fact is, we don't know what else is coming to us in the future. We just never know. Nothing's guaranteed. I mean, I'm a cancer survivor. You know that. There's, there's And I had to do major shifts in my business. In fact, my whole business premise came out of the whole shift I did in my business, came out of the fact that I did cancer and said, this is not what I need to be doing anymore. This isn't my gift. My gift is to help people be more productive and have better lives. That's, it's not just to make a pretty office. And it was, it was that big moment. And it's my belief that no one has to go through what I did to get the aha, the light bulb. You know, I look at you instilling in these college kids that information that I kind of... And listen, I I did not have parents who allowed laziness. I mean, I worked my tail off, but I didn't have the mindset as much as I had that just sort of driven wherewithal just do it without thinking about why is this important? What's the passion? Where's the focus and determination going to go? Not just like work.
1: Does that make sense? Well, you make a great point. Our intention for every day when we wake up has to be on what's important, right? rather than waiting until it's urgent. This is a Stephen Covey thing that I love. Yeah, big fan yeah. of that. Everybody has waited until it's urgent. That has become the norm. What does that cause today? With the kids I work the kids in, in my space, I have I hear from high school seniors who haven't visited colleges. They were waiting, waiting, oh my gosh. You're visiting colleges when your daughter's in ninth grade. That's what we have to do. Mm -hmm. I had a family on my class two weeks ago, parent of a four-year-old. They want to know early while it's still important. But for the people who wait until things are urgent, there are juniors out there who have not taken the SATs because they've been blocked from it. So the all of my kids took them in December. We did not know that that was going to be the last time that they'd be available for maybe a year. I
0: took my SAT like three or three times, I think. So I had taken the first one and then I took one in the spring. Still wasn't happy with my scores. Took another one in the fall of my senior year. So it's not that there weren't additional. I was very blessed. There were additional opportunities. But I had already taken one. I had one at least one, maybe two
1: under my belt before- Because well, what you just said though, Catherine, because you said you knew what was important. Yeah. If we get the people out that we can influence, let's just say, to understand, to act and intend to that of which is important Yeah. and not leave it to what's urgent. I have one of my fabulous Ecuadorian students in a bind right now. He's a senior. He's heading to Penn State. I love all that. Well, he just found out a month ago that his passport expired, and because of their lockdown, yeah. there's no office to go get it renewed. They, they can't do it online or anything like that or through the mail. They can only do it in person. You he can't do it unless you have a death in the family. You cannot get a new passport, and I am
0: up March of 2021 and you know I'm trying to decide when do I send it in because it could sit there for six months or a year we're way behind on passports here I feel for him I can't imagine is he going to go to Penn State what's he going to
1: do he is he's prepared to spend the semester at home doing online study I have another student from down there in Ecuador, you can't get a driver's license until you're 18. He turned 18 and he was a little lackadaisical about it. He failed the first test. He wasn't too worried about it. Pow! Lockdown. He's sitting here now three months later, no driver's license. He'll leave for college maybe in August, no driver's license. but. The lesson here is we have to wake up every day with intention, intention for what's important so that important things do not become urgent. That is your life, that is my life, that is the work we both do and the influence we like to have on people. And it's a big big responsibility and it's a big job that we wake up to every day, but I love it. I love it too. So I think that's the perfect place to wrap up. We'll set some
0: attentions around uh, talking about your college clarity group on Facebook. I'll be sure to post a link. What other brilliance have you got coming up? Because Hans, you've been doing some amazing
1: webinars. Thank you. I'm going to help the world of higher education to become more accessible and affordable to mainstream America. This is my 10-year my commitment, God willing. to we, What we know is it's, The world of higher education has gotten away from mainstream America. It is mostly affordable to the top one or two or 3% income earners in the country that will pay these enormous uh, uh, costs. And it's just skyrocketed for 20 years. Now we have the leveling, I think the tilt, Mm -hmm. the college tilt that you've heard me refer to. And it becomes our opportunity to give hope to parents of 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th graders, ninth graders like you hope that college will be affordable and accessible. So my my classes, my online programs, my College Clarity Facebook group is really dedicated to to, uh, informing parents of what they can do. Because if colleges now have to pay attention to them, to their market, right? Their market base, which are now parents, not the kids. Then, Catherine, you can't sit on the sidelines watching the game and think that they're going to pay you attention. Mm -hmm. Parents have to dive in and be involved. Colleges are tilting, but if parents allow it, a couple years from now, the ship will be righted and we'll be back in the same place we were three or four months ago and we as a generational group of parents with kids and and uh, we can't we can't let that happen so I have to coach and teach and mentor parents the the market for colleges to be more assertive with the colleges in protecting their own interests so I don't know if that's brilliance or not but that is my stance i've got it i've got it so now
0: there are going to be people listening who say i want to talk to hands how can they find you
1: well thanks Catherine. my website my business is called college logic as you know the website though is mycollegelogic.com i welcome people to come on to that i welcome people to come into my college clarity facebook group i just started it a month and a half ago we're loving it So that's College Clarity on Facebook. And, uh, of course, my email address is my first name, Hans, H-A-N-S, at MyCollegeLogic.com. So I'm happy to speak with anybody about their college situation.
0: I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes as well. I thank you so much for coming on. It's always a delight talk with you. We could do this for about three hours, but I think that lose the audience. Maybe not. I have to say, but with you, I don't think we've the audience. So I'm hoping you'll come back another time. And thank you so much for coming today.
1: I'd be delighted to, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. I appreciate you and what you represent yourself and the work that you do. So thank you, thing.
0: You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast.